0: Good morning, thanks for being to open life today my name is Jaden I'm one of the pastors here and I just want to welcome you today. We are in a series called a Meal with Jesus So we started last week we're doing it this week and then we're probably for a few more weeks we're going to be excuse me we're going to be talking about what Jesus did when he interacted with people around a meal around food around just being In community with people. And so it's a very cool series. It's also a book. And so if you're looking for something to read, you're like, man, I just want something to read that's encouraging. I'd encourage you, you can go to Amazon and buy um, a book. This book, it's called A Meal with Jesus. So very, very easy. It's by the author Tim Chester. And so I encourage you, if you're looking for something to read, you can go do that. I mean, you can go to a bookstore too. You don't have to buy it on Amazon either. You know, let's keep those businesses rolling that... To the, you know, but I use the Kindle, so I always buy from Amazon. But anyway, I just don't want people to think like I'm pr- promoting the man, you know, just, you don't want to promote the man. I've, I've learned that. And so, uh, a meal with Jesus, what does that mean? And uh, to me, I think it's an invitation for all of us to come and imagine ourselves sitting down with Jesus around a dinner table, around a meal, and just imagining, like, just imagining how he loved for. Cared for and encouraged those that he spent time with. It's an invitation to know about all those things, but it's also an invitation to to take the next step in getting to know Jesus a little bit more. And that's what this series is all about. It's like, how can you take the next step to get to know Jesus in a deeper way, but also. How can you take it a step even farther than that to, like, get to know other people as well? Because that's what Jesus did. He cared for. He valued people. He saw people for the worth that they had. And so maybe today you come into the church today and you're not acquainted with Jesus. You'd say, I don't know a lot about him. I'm still, like, learning. I'm still, like, reading about him. But I would say I'm not, like, I haven't taken that step to follow him. Hopefully this series introduces you to the love that Jesus has for you. But you might also be here today, probably a lot of you, you come and say, you know, I do know Jesus, I know what it is to follow him, and so I hope that this series is an encouragement for you to take a next step, to take a deeper step in knowing the love that Jesus has for you. And so today we're reading from the book of Luke about a story about a woman who comes before Jesus when it was awkward to do so, when it was kind of like she knew she was going to be judged. And so... This book of Luke is very important. It's important to know why Luke wrote the book that he did. And he wrote it for a very specific reason. It's to to answer the question to the people he was writing to to say, Who is this Jesus? Jesus. Does it explain, okay, I'm going to write down the stories that I've gathered to I'm going to bring all these things together to explain and answer the question about who Jesus really is. And so we're going to read one of these specific stories that shows us who Jesus is. And so it's found in Luke 7, 36 through 50. It's kind of a big chunk, but we're going to read it together and then look at some specific parts of it later on. And so... One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him, so hence the meal with Jesus. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins and their many have been forgiven, so she has shown shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven." the men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And so this story tells us about who Jesus is. It tells us how he values people and how he sees worth in people. And so the story is set around a meal that Jesus is invited to. So Jesus, as a guest in a Pharisee's house and As I'm reading, I imagine if I had the opportunity to host Jesus at my house, what things would I do? I would probably think and really like meticulously think about what meal I would serve. I would probably clean my house. And so I would have to decide, is this, is this going to be a deep clean or is this going to be like a fake clean? And maybe you know what I'm talking about. But sometimes we have groups at our house and there's times where on the the day of the night we're having groups, it's like, oh, shoot, we forgot to clean. And so this is where a fake clean comes in, where you, like, gather all your junk and you throw it in your bedroom. And then it's like, this room is off limits. Do not go in here because we'll be mortified and you'll think less of us and you'll judge us and we'll be really embarrassed. But you look around and it looks nice and it looks clean. But I think if Jesus were coming, because he can, like, see everything, I would be like, I got to clean everything. This place is going to look Immaculate. Those are the things I think about when I'm reading this story. I'd also ask myself, would I try to be extra hospitable? Probably. Jesus, the Son of God, is coming into your home. I'm going to try and welcome him. And then, finally, who would I invite to join me? And so this is kind of where we end, and kind of the question we're going to focus on is, who would you invite to your meal with Jesus? And so for the Pharisees, I'm sure for this Pharisee, Simon, I'm sure he was a little embarrassed, obviously judgmental as we read when this woman comes in. But it shows us who Jesus is because of his reaction. And so a meal like this in the setting that we were reading about would be a little more public than something we're accustomed to. It's. They would meet together and, and all, like, t- there would be times where people would see what was going on and maybe take the initiative to actually join even if they weren't an invited guest like Jesus was. And so this Pharisee could have invited Jesus because he heard him speaking and he knew that people were talking about him. And so he might have said to himself, you know what, I need to get Jesus to come to my house I'm going to have a dinner party. I want him to speak. I want him to, like, say something. And, you know, everyone's talking about him. This is, like, the it thing to do is to have Jesus come in. And a lot of people thought Jesus was a prophet. So for a Pharisee, he's like, well, let's test this out. Let's see how this is going to work. If Jesus really is a prophet, I want him to come be a guest. And so it's almost like this entertainment factor of having Jesus come into Simon's house to say, Jesus, you know, come be my guest because I want to be entertained or I want to entertain my friends. And so we don't know who else was invited, but we know who wasn't invited, and that's the woman in this story. She heard that Jesus was going to be at the Pharisee's house, and she showed up, she, but she wasn't invited. And so today specifically, we're going to be going to look at how Jesus takes an idea of what we think community is And think about how he expands that, how he changes what we can think about our community. And that's the big idea today, is that Jesus expands our community. This was the home of a Pharisee, and Pharisees guarded their purity very meticulously, Their goal was that if everyone in their group, and so think about the nation of Israel at this time, they're saying if everyone were to be pure and holy before God, then that's going to bring our liberation, our freedom. That's going to usher in the Messiah, this new kingdom. And so when they saw Jesus, and when people are saying, you know, this could be the one, is he a prophet? They see him eating and drinking with sinners, and they're like, that's not really what we were going for. And so for Pharisees, they avoided and disassociated themselves from people they considered to be impure. The woman who knelt at the feet of Jesus, whose tears fell on his feet, was one such person. She wasn't invited. She was immoral. She was a sinner. And really, if you read into the words, one translation calls her a woman of the city. This could be also considered a prostitute. And so you have this mixing of a person, a sinner, someone the Pharisees did not want to even associate or even acknowledge that they were there. And yet Jesus gives her his attention. And he even tells him, like, this Pharisee, like, her actions are good. Jesus demonstrates God's grace by welcoming sinners. Jesus expands our community. And so this is good news for all of us. I read this and I said, this is good news for me because I'm a sinner and I'm thankful that I can come before Jesus and I know he's going to take me when I come to him and when I offer him my praise. When I come into church and I'm singing these songs, I know he's not going to look the other way because I'm a sinner, but he's going to take me up and accept my praises and accept my gifts that I'm living for him. But the culture then, just like the culture now, loves to play on people's differences. There's a natural inclination to think about my community and think that my community consists of people that look like me, think like me, talk like me, have the same values as me. But Jesus comes onto the scene and he busts that mentality. He just changes it and he says anyone who wants to come and follow me is welcome to be with me. And so throughout all the stories that we read about Jesus through Luke, through the other Gospels, we continually see this characteristic of Jesus where he's always welcoming people. He's always saying, come to me. Whether it's these little kids who rush up to him and then his disciples are like, no, keep the kids away. Jesus is like, come to me. Whether it's someone who's sick, who has leprosy and is totally contagious, Jesus is like, no, come to me. Jesus continually over and over and over welcomes people into his presence. He uses every opportunity to expand what we think our community is. And so that's because thought one, anyone could join Jesus for a meal. Anyone could join him for a meal. And we see this, we read this in verse 37 through 38. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And so I'm always struck by the way that Jesus saw the true value and worth of people. I'm always struck by the way he's in situations, and he doesn't see people for their characteristics. He doesn't see people for their sins, but he sees people for their worth and value as people, as son and daughters of God. That's one of the characteristics of Jesus that I'm most challenged by when I'm trying to apply Jesus's life to my life, where I'm quick to maybe say, you know what, that person's weird. That person's a annoying that person just like keep that person away from me Jesus is like nah let him come let him come be a part of this meal let him be a part of this the festivities and so it's really cool because when the woman comes behind him and starts washing his feet he's not burdened by this he's not embarrassed by this He doesn't look around to his friends or other people in the room saying like, you know, please save me. Save me from this situation. You know, I don't know if you have this like code. Maybe it happens at like Thanksgivings when you're with the in-laws and you're like to your wife or spouse. You're like, we need a code word. Like text me something and like then we're going to leave or something. Jesus didn't do that. He said, you know what? I'm going to know this person for their worth and their value and I'm going to be with them because they deserve to be here. And so the circumstances of the story cannot make this any more awkward. What this woman was doing to Jesus was incredibly intimate. In this culture, when you, if you were to let your hair down, that's like something you reserve for the bedroom. That's like undressing yourself. And so the appearance of this moment is that the woman is treating Jesus like one of her clientele or one of her clients. And so possibly... This is the only way that she knows how to relate and communicate her sense of honor for Jesus. And so you got to imagine the Pharisees, and like we'll read in just one second, but they see this and they're like, what is this? Like he's obviously not a prophet because he wouldn't even associate with her. But Jesus reinterprets what could be seen as an erotic act, as an honest and true act of love. He's like, she's not doing that. She's here because she loves me, because her sins have been forgiven. And so we read, but the Pharisees, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And so last week, the question that Jesus was asked, he said, why do you eat and drink with such scum? We actually read that in the Bible. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? And so I'll be honest and say if I was with Jesus, knowing I'm like one of those guys that hates awkward things, I would be like, um, you're just gonna let her touch your feet like that? Like that's literally what went through my head. Like, you're just gonna sit there and let her like touch your feet and like cry on them and wash them with her your her hair? I'm like, for me, that's just like really weird. And so like for me, Mr. Like, I hate awkward even though I'm very awkward myself. I'd be like, let's extract ourselves from that situation. She's okay to be here, but does she have to do that? But Jesus links his identity to that of this woman because he knows her actions. He knows her worth. He knows her value. And he does the same thing for you and me. He links his identity to ours to to reveal himself as a gracious Savior for us. And so I was just thinking, like, when we were singing these worship songs, like, I want to be close to you. Like, I think that's exactly what the mindset that this woman had with Jesus. He's, she's, like, worshiping him, bowing at his feet, putting perfume on his feet, watching him, and she's just saying, I want to be close to you. And Jesus says, this is good. And so like when we're in times of worship, when there's times, I just think, you know, God, I just want to show you my love. I just want to sing these words of these songs. I just want to, you to know how much that I love and care for you. Jesus is the friend of the sick who need healing, a friend to the broken who need to be made whole. He's a friend to the poor who need to know that they can make it through the end of the week. He's a friend to the marginalized who have no one else to speak for them. Jesus is socially disruptive, and his radical grace and forgiveness disrupts social situations, including the dinner with this Pharisee. So the story goes on, and it says this, and Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, isn't that cool? First of all, Jesus, like, it's not like the Pharisee said anything, but Jesus knows what he's thinking, and it says he answered his thoughts. So it's like, this guy's getting a smack down because just like thinking, again, if I was hosting Jesus, I'd probably also add a question to like how I'd prepare, clear my thoughts. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't want to get smacked down like this guy. But he says, Simon, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the first time From the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to them, your sins are forgiven. And so I'm reading this, these scriptures twice because I want us to really put ourselves in this situation and to understand what is going on. And so thought number two is hospitality creates community. And so the funny thing about this story is that Jesus is a guest in Simon's house, yet it is a sinful woman who shows Jesus the hospitality of being an honored guest. So during this culture, at this time, if you were having people over for a meal or if you had guests in your home, there's three things that you could do to welcome them. And so number one is you could provide water so that your guests could wash their feet before entering. You know, sandals, you know, feet dirty, walking on dirt all day long. It's like, you know, why don't I offer you water to wash your feet? And so some, some people even had servants that would wash their guests' feet when they came in. The second thing is you could greet your guests with a kiss. And then third is you could anoint the head of your guests with olive oil as they arrived. And so we obviously don't do these things now in our culture. At least I don't think so. I've never been invited to a party where they had feet washing. Um, That would be fun. I mean, I guess that's sort of like a pedicure, right? Or is it manicure as the fingers, correct? Yeah, okay, thanks. And so it's just like that would be a cool party, like pedicure party. Let's wash each other's feet and I'm not even going to say cut each other's toenails. That is nasty. But not a cultural thing that we do. We don't wash people's feet. I mean, I've, I don't kiss people when they come to my house. If you're from France, I think that's a thing. And so then I'm totally just going off target here. And finally, the, the one that gets me is the olive oil on the head. And, and so we could try that. But that's not our cultures. What we do oftentimes is we greet people out the door. We say, "Welcome, can I grab your coat? Here's a good place for your shoes. you know here I've set out some little snacks for us as we before the meal begins, or something like that we we This is known as hospitality. This is known as you know being there and like just greeting people and just making it really less weird to say like You know, it'd be weird if I went to someone's house and I just had to let myself in and just seat myself at the table, grab my own food, and just start eating without having any direction or people showing me what to do. And so this is, like, what the woman does is the hospitable things. So at the time of the story, it's uncertain whether these gestures were mandatory. Like, you had to have these these three things done when you come into a house that you're visiting, But really, these three things are things that you do just to be kind and generous. And so the fact that this Pharisee didn't do any of those things and showed no, like, welcoming aspect to Jesus being there, Jesus calls him out on it, and he says, you didn't even, like, greet me to be here, but she has washed my feet. She's put oil and perfume on my feet, and she's kissed my feet. She's done the welcoming when you have done nothing. And so the woman is the one who was supposed to be the sinner, but she's the one who does the welcoming. And so in this story, you have the self-righteous Pharisee contrasted with the immoral and sinful woman. And so it's the hospitable acts towards Jesus that show us who is included in the community of Jesus. The principle is super simple. If someone forgives you, you're going to love them. If you've been forgiven, you're going to love the person that's forgiven you, that's taken off that debt. And so this woman clearly loves Jesus, and her audacity, tears, and affection are the byproduct of the love that comes from forgiveness. The way that Simon despised this woman and judged Jesus in the process is a byproduct of the fact that Simon thinks he has little, if if anything, to be forgiven for. Jesus puts the question to him directly, and Simon acknowledged that a larger debt forgiven is going to lead to larger amounts of love. And so I think when we read this story and hear what is going on, the self righteous people are the ones that are going to leave sad because they don't see the sin in their lives that has been forgiven. But people who come before Jesus with truth and honesty and says, I've been forgiven for much, that leads to love, to more and more love of Jesus. Love is the byproduct of forgiveness. And so where does this hospitality fit in for us? Where does this idea that hospitality creates community? Well, as forgiven people, who are following Jesus, we should be people who are slow to judge and quick to love others. We should be attentive to the needs that people have when they arrive. We should be participants and networkers of service for other people. We should be people who are present with and work for the good of our community at every opportunity that we, that we can. This is not out of obligation, like, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, so I have to do this. No, I'm a follower of Jesus, I've been forgiven of much, and I want to just love people. That's the command that we're given by Jesus. And so at all times, when we're reading this story, we should be striving to be two people. The first is to be like the woman, knowing our sin and lavishing our love upon Jesus at every opportunity that we can. And two, we should be like Jesus, knowing the worth and value of all people, allowing everyone to experience a meal with Jesus. Like, as we do this, as we do this act of just asking God for forgiveness, and He forgives us, and we love Him, then we too get put in the role of Jesus to go and love other people, so that we can go into our community, into our schools, into our families, and just love people for where they're at, to know the worth and the value that they have as sons and daughters of God. We should be marked by love because of forgiveness we have received. Hospitality is the first step in that process. It creates community because it lets people know that they are welcome here. And so by here, I mean a number of different places. I mean, like first, we're all here at Open Life. We want to let people know that they are welcome here no matter where they're coming from, what life situation they're in. You're welcome to come and experience Jesus here. But also it goes on to our homes. Like you should be welcoming people into your homes because people are loved. And so when we're talking about neighboring, this is the next step of neighboring is showing hospitable acts to your communities, our neighbors. And then ultimately like our whole lives should be this hospitable thing so that people would know dude, that person is marked by love. I wonder if they know Jesus. And I don't think that's like the case right now. A lot of times they're like, oh, that person's a Christian. They're judging me. And it's like, that's not the case. Like, it's just hilarious when you read this story. It's like no one would say that Jesus is judging the woman. He's just loving her. And yet it's the Pharisee who is the one judging. And so thought number three, we fully experience life through community. And so I just, I can't stress this point enough, that we fully experience life through community. And, and so when we think about the framework, framework of, our, of our lives with Jesus, as followers of Jesus, the strongest followers of Jesus that I know are that way because they have meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus. And then on the flip side, the weakest followers of Jesus that I know are, the, are that way because they don't have any meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus. When we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to enter in relationship with him, it's not so that we get to be lone wolves and just do our own thing and be on our own and only like put on a worship CD and then be in our rooms reading our Bibles and never interacting with anyone else. You're going to be missing your relationship. And it's, it's very interesting when you like talk to people who maybe have been come to know Jesus, but then they like fall away. And it's just you ask like, well, hey, what happened? Like what, you know, what's going on? And it's like, well, I just didn't connect. I just didn't like get involved, or right? I just didn't feel welcomed, or, or whatever it is, and it all revolves around this aspect of there was just no other relationship that grabbed someone to say, I'm here with you. You see, we all can receive God's grace, his forgiveness, his love, but the full depth of that relationship with Jesus is discovered when we can say, like, look around and just say, wow, Like there are other people on this journey with me. There are other people who are encouraging me. And so the way that Open Life does this and what I've learned to love is like in groups. We just had our group last Monday and it was just a time where like we got to pray. We talked about a verse in scripture and we just bounced ideas off of each other about what Jesus means to us or what we think and hear when we read part of the Bible. And it's just, I just left it with this realization that that's like a deeper aspect of a relationship with Jesus that's totally missing if you're not if you're just doing it alone if you're just a lone wolf doing your own thing and so open life we have groups services this is that also that aspect this is like Maybe today you'll decide, I'm not going to rush out. I'm actually going to say hi to one person before I leave. And I understand the whole meeting new people, talking to people. Again, I'm the awkward guy. And so it's like you, you get like little tense because it's like, you know, that's just not my personality. I'm an introvert. And I totally understand and get that. But what, what do we always say? Like 30 seconds of bravery can go a long way to changing your life. And so it's just that's We Bought a Zoo. I totally butchered that quote. But anyway, you can do that just by saying, you know what? I'm going to say hi to someone, and that's a big step for me. But that's one, like, spark of community. The type of community, it's not inward focused. It's outward focused. There are people who just need to know that they are welcome that's hospitality. Yes, obviously we do that at church, but it's also in our neighborhoods. It's also in our homes, it's at our dinner tables. Like that's if you re, if you pick up and read this book, A Meal with Jesus, I think you'll be I think you'll be practically changed to understand the power of a meal. The power of even in your own families to come together and say we're going to eat a meal together. And just the power that can have for the very specific small community of your home, but then even when you expand that, the power that thing can have with your friends, the power that can have with other followers of Jesus, and so this is not inward focused. This is outward focused, and so it's hard though because we live in a graceless culture. We live in a culture of competition in which we're constantly trying to get ahead. It's this like power over mentality that like I'm gonna in. I'm going to force people who are under me to do what I want them to do. And so we kind of, like that's our whole goal in life is to keep, you know, going up that ladder so that I can force someone else to do what I want to do, even if I'm doing what someone above me is trying to get me to do. But through Jesus, through his sacrificial, self-sacrificial love, he shows us that there's another way. And it's the love that understands in a moral woman's worth when she comes and bows at his feet and washes his feet with perfume in her tears and kisses them. Jesus understands when people are coming to him and why they're coming to him for. So to kind of conclude, a quote from this book, A Meal with Jesus, that says this: In our culture, our shared meals offer a moment of grace. Around the table, we offer friendship and celebrate life. Our meals offer a divine moment, an opportunity for people to be seduced by grace into a better life, a truer life, and a more human existence. We fully experience life through community. Jesus understood this, and after his death and resurrection, his followers knew this, and that's why they gathered together continually, around meals, but to also just to come together and pray. That's what like open life is about. We come together to worship, pray, and read about the words so that we can be challenged in the way that we live our lives. And so today's action point is very simple and it comes from the last two verses in this passage that we're reading. It says, The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus says to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Our action point today is go in peace and be hospitable. The reason for this hospitality that Jesus is showing this woman and the same that the woman is showing Jesus still isn't recognized by the people in that room. <laughs> They're just like, oh, who is this Jesus? They're still grumbling. They're like, how can he forgive someone? They didn't see the love that comes from forgiveness. The genuine hospitality that's created that can expand our community and our thoughts. And and that people are just still sitting there grumbling over it. Cause it's different than what they think community is. But Jesus' response is simple. He says, Your faith has saved you, now go in peace. And so that's what we want to do today. Is as we leave this place, we want to be peacemakers in our communities. We want to be people of peace that know that we've been forgiven so that we know we get to love God and we get to love other people. There's nothing more peaceful than that. And I was just thinking, like, we don't know what happened to the woman in the story. We don't know, like, the next steps or anything about that. But it's, we have next steps. And so we don't get the opportunity to physically come before Jesus and break perfume jars and wash his feet and kiss them and anoint him and and stuff like this. But we do get the opportunity to love other people. And so I'm just challenged by this thought of the way maybe that we love Jesus more is by loving other people more. The way that we can take that next step in our relationship with God is by taking a next step to love our neighbors to take the next step to love our families better, to take the next step to love our coworkers. You fill in the blank on who that is. But the way that we love others is the way that we love Jesus. So today, let's be people who know that we've been forgiven, who go in peace, who in turn show hospitality to one another because we have the love that is found in Jesus. Our homes, our tables, our lives can be places of peace that create community because of the grace we have received. So that's our prayer today, that we would be people of peace going forward and loving others. God, we come before you today and we just say thank you. We say thank you for the way that you loved physically, that this really happened. And we can read these stories and know that you did this and we have an example to live our lives by. God, thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have lavished upon us so that we can lavish our love and praise upon you. I pray, Lord, that we would leave this place knowing that love and knowing a plan to love others. And I pray that through this we would just see favor, that we would see life change, that we would just see just tangible encouragements of like of you, like in just the way you encourage the woman, that we would be encouraged in these things, that you would tell us in our minds and in our hearts and even from other followers of Jesus, man, you're doing a great job. You are being so kind. This is so cool. That we would see just the tangible, practical, practical applications of your scripture and of your word and the way that you told us to live let us go in peace today. In your name, amen.